0: Hyundai and Kia and all of these allegations about fire risk, dirty big class action, and you sitting there trying to make sense of all of that, and me sitting here trying, I assure you, really, really hard not to go down for contempt of court. I'm Joe Cadogan from autoexpert.com.au and I get new cars cheap Australia only website card. Now this in a sense is the report that I really haven't wanted to do but which many of you have requested. And I don't want to do it but not for the reasons that many of you allege we will get into that. If you are the slightest bit hazy about class actions and recalls and fire risk and serious safety defects and public safety and media claims about class actions and all of that stuff, I'm gonna deep dive into that for you right here and right now. This is going to be a fairly long one, but hopefully it will give you some value and you'll emerge from it with a better understanding of how all of this stuff works. And hopefully I'll emerge from it without the cuffs on and my next video will not be presented to you behind bars. This video is brought to you by manscaped.com, which represents a giant leap forward for men's grooming. And this is the ultimate grooming kit for the modern man. It's ideal if you're in the market for a trim or a close shave or even something a little cheekier in between. The Platinum Package 4.0 Grooming Kit by Manscaped, because success starts in the shower, dude. Manscaped body wash and two-in-one shampoo and conditioner, a dynamic duo that will slash your shower time in half. And when you're done, make a pit stop, literally, and slap on a little aluminium-free stick deodorant and personal favourite, Manscaped even has deodorants specifically formulated for balls. It's called Crop Preserver, and I'd suggest you haven't really been fresh until you've been Crop Preserver fresh. This bag now, it's called the Shed, and its internal power tools include the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer and the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer. Just as an aside on this, for months now I've been mowing my entire dome, doing my beard and performing sundry other grooming tasks about which less is almost certainly more. I've been doing this twice a week, every week, using exactly this equipment and I have been spectacularly unable to kill it and... It's really easy to use. They're both waterproof, they're cordless, and they feature skin-safe technology, which reduces nicks and cuts. When you opt for the peak hygiene plan, you can even get all your Manscaped product replenishments delivered straight to your door. So that's rather convenient. Manscaped is also hooking you up with a bunch of freebies, the shed, luxury travel bag and a free pair of Manscaped anti-chafing boxer briefs. Just go to manscaped.com autoexpert today. You'll get 20% off plus free international shipping and two free gifts when you use the promo code AEJC at checkout. That's 20% off plus free shipping and two free gifts with the promo code AEJC at manscaped.com slash Auto expert, your balls will thank you. Not a week passes on my world without many requests to comment on this issue. And I am reluctant, but the volume is such that we're going to do it here and now, okay? Here's a couple of representative samples of questions from dudes and dudettes not unlike you who want me to talk about this situation I own. So, the first one is Colin L., someone who is unwilling apparently to append his entire surname to the comments that he posts online. Colin says, What do you think of the class action against Hyundai Kia, John? Cars catching fire due to ABS? I don't believe there's been a proved case, Colin, of a Hyundai or a Kia quote unquote catching fire due to ABS. That's not what this is. And if we want to live in a world where the facts actually matter, we have to get on top of where we're at. What are the facts at the moment? So I think you have to be very careful about going from a recall has been issued because of a potential safety defect that might lead to a fire and then jump straight over the pond and be at cars catching fire due to abs we'll get into that but that's a thing okay and you have to be careful about where the pieces actually are on the chessboard if you want to understand reality this is about anything not just this okay mick Z is the next one i don't know why i said his name in his voice but Let's go. Waiting for your current take on the Hyundai Kia Fire class action. Probably bigger than any of the negatives you report on other makes. Is that true, Mick? Bigger than any of those other negatives. Bigger than Toyota lying to 264,170 owners of Hiluxes, Fortunas and Pradas. Let's not forget Hiluxes one of the biggest sellers in the market every month and the biggest seller overall in 2022, if memory serves. 2.8 diesel DPF fiasco, bigger than that, maybe. Bigger than Volkswagen being found guilty of all of those counts of criminal slash felony conduct in the United States. I think it was 3 counts from memory, uh, conspiracy to defraud, violating the clean air act and obstruction of justice. Pretty difficult really for them to kick back given the totality of circumstances and say, "Oops, Daisy, that was a mistake by us. We didn't really mean it. We'll try harder next time." Multiple senior execs were also charged with fraud, let's not forget. So, I don't see this as being bigger than that. So, so Perhaps we'll have to get into why, but I have to tell you, I've got to be super careful about what I say here, and so the F do you in the comments, because this matter is subdued to say. It means it's before the court, okay? And the court judges, you know, they wear those dresses and whatever. It gives them this sense of outrage when people speculate about the guilt or innocence of parties to anything that's before the court. And if you do that that's an act of contempt and you can go behind bars for that so this report is in no way any speculation whatsoever about the guilt or innocence of hyundai or kia in respect of the allegations leveled against them it's just an analysis of things like recalls and risk and allegations and things of that nature i don't care if they are Guilty or not. In fact, you know, people always accuse me of being Hyundai's bum boy or Kia's bum boy. When in fact, <clears throat> I will be happy to MC the ceremony of celebration if they are found guilty, and I will lead the cheerleaders out into the stadium, onto the arena, where the guilty, if in fact they are found guilty by a court, where they are given their penalty, whatever it is, a hundred laps of the stadium dragged around by chariots connected to their scrotums. Well, scrota, what is the plural of scrotum? never had to cross that bridge before. Being the proud owner of only one, it's, it's just never come up. So you might like to enlighten me in the comments below. Where should we go from here? That, that image, is, it's like not thinking about the pink elephant, isn't it? Hyundai and Kia dragged around the stadium, 100 laps by their scroter. I'd like to see that. I don't want them to be guilty, but if they are, hey. Now, what are recalls, really? In Australia, recalls only exist for serious safety defects. This is not just with cars. It's with all products. There's a whole... Uh, Regulatory apparatus around recalls which are largely a voluntary system and it's only for serious safety defects. So if the paint is going to start flaking off your car and you demand a recall. It's not going to happen, dude, because that's not what recalls are for. And if the headlining might sag in your car or the cubby bin lid, the screws might not have been properly installed at the factory and it might get loose and vibrate over time and you're outraged and you demand a recall, not going to happen, okay? It's just that that's not what recalls are. Recalls only happen if something has the capacity to injure or kill someone and it's found out later, okay? So... What you always see in recalls, if you go to the recalls website, and I just copied and pasted this this morning, okay, so that it would be accurate. Now, this is from some vehicle recall, I can't remember which one. The phrase that you're always going to see is something, words to this effect, okay, quote, could increase the risk of injury or death to vehicle occupants, other road users or bystanders, blah, blah, blah. If the defect is not capable of doing that, then it's not fair game for recalls. In fact, if it's the flaky paint or the saggy headlining or the rattly cubby bin lid, whatever, the (laughs) the infotainment going blank, right, that's handled by a completely different mechanism internally. They're called service campaigns. And in fact, just so you know how this works, when you turn up at the dealer for your service, your car has its DNA decompiled within the VIN code. So what they do is they type in the VIN code to the server and the server then spits out. And not only does it know everything about your car, the color, the powertrain, the trim level, the genuine accessories that you chose to have fitted, the options, whatever. Okay. It also knows the server knows if there are any outstanding recalls or service campaigns and they get done for you in the background for free. So I'd suggest that this recall system that we have in Australia is a shining example of a system that is not broken and which is extremely effective. And the reason I don't kick car makers in the slats when a recall is issued is because they're complying. And not only are they complying, they're already copping a reputational knee in the nuts because of the way these things are perceived publicly. They're putting public safety first, getting need in the nuts, doing the recall at their own expense, like for free, for you, and therefore, <clears throat> what is there to criticise? Nothing. This is a system which works, okay? I'd further suggest to you that existence of a recall is not evidence of shoddy design, right? And I'd, I, I'm, I say that to you as an engineer, because cars are properly complex things, they're an amalgamation of five to 10,000 parts. And it depends how you define a part, okay? But all of these parts interact with each other and they interact with the driving and storage environment. And not all of the consequences of all of the complexity of those interactions can be known at the point at which that car is deployed into the public domain. And what in fact happens is that some negative consequences of these interactions come to light months, weeks, years, whatever, down the track. And the company then goes on a fact-finding mission and narrows this problem down to its cause and then also goes and looks at the size of the batch of products that are potentially affected by this defect. And that's what recalls are, right? These headlines that go like Brand X recalls 200,000 Camrys or Tritons, whatever, doesn't matter, for fire risk or whatever, that does not generally mean that those 200,000 vehicles are defective. It means that the car company has narrowed down the batch, the production batch to this number of vehicles that potentially have this defect. And the job of the recall that's being done by the dealership, there's a document, it says here's how you do this recall. And in most cases, the principal action that takes place is inspection. They go and have a look at the component and they see if it's one of the dodgy ones and if it is, they change it. But in most cases, the vast majority of recalls at the point of inspection, they just put a tick in the box and say, No, it's not a defective one. They check the torque on the bolt or they check the seal around a component that's not supposed to get water in it or whatever and they go, no, we don't have to replace that one. That's inspected and it passed, okay? So this is how recalls work in practice. So when you see those headlines and it says some big number of cars is recalled, it's not an example of Satan opening up a portal and coming through from hell It's just an example of a potential problem and they deal with it, right? So I get less than enthusiastic as an engineer when I see some notification of some recall. There are hundreds of recalls every year just on cars. Double rebound. And at this point, therefore, I'd like to give the most sincere possible shout out to all of the engineers and technicians toiling away in shitty R&D environments all around the world, not just in the automotive domain, but generally. In the car domain, right, the evidence that these people are doing such an outrageously good job is that it's not hell on earth out on the road. There's not a whole bunch of defects with cars that are the major cause of loss of life and limb and whatever tragedy out there on the roads. That's not the case at all. Negligence is the biggest cause of tragedy on the road and manufacturing defects are way down on the list. You know, mechanical failures and things of that nature very rarely kill people. And the other evidence that these people are doing such an outstanding job in R&D is that I don't know if you're old enough to remember driving around in the 60s and 70s, but in the 60s and 70s, right, you had to really be mindful that your car could conk out at any time, right? Anything could happen, and it was more like a military flying lesson, you know? If you're in a helicopter with a pilot who's served in the military, you just say to him, hey, dude, if the engine goes out, where are we going to autorotate? And he just goes, in that field down there. See that field down there, low at 2 o'clock, low at 10, whatever? We're going down there because they fly as if the machine could quit at any time. And it's probably a great idea to drive like that, right? Off the bat, if the engine goes out now, what's the traffic environment? Where can I pull over safely? And yet cars have become so reliable that you don't have to do that anymore. And people get properly outraged when it happens. They say, I could have died. Something should be done. And I kind of go, yeah, dude, but you didn't die. So this is like trying to get compensated for an injury that you didn't suffer. You know what I mean? Anyway, at this point, you should know what recalls are all about, specifically with cars and where the reliability framework is with cars, right? Now, class actions, okay? The law firms that launch class actions, the Bannister Laws and the Morris Blackburns, etc., they are extremely keen to cloak themselves in the language of virtue, right? Because they're sticking up for the little guy. They're getting justice for 100,000 people who might not otherwise be able to launch such an action on a one-on-one basis in court or something. And to some extent, that is true. But I'd suggest the real thing about class actions is they are properly big business. And that means that law firms that specialise in class actions. They have a team of people either on staff or freelance and they're really turd miners. They jump into the mine and they they look for a turd. They look for a turd lined with gold, right? And that means that you have to find a suitable number of people, like 50 or 100,000 people or more hopefully, and they have been quote-unquote wronged in some way, or a picture could be painted that a court subscribes to in which they've suffered some kind of loss, and they could all be compensated. And if, you know, a 1,000 people suffer a $2,000 loss, then all of a sudden there's $2 million on the table in compensation, isn't there? And what they seek to do is skim the cream off the top of the compensation and give the rest on some sort of distribution basis to all the parties to the class action, okay? That's kind of how this works. And furthermore, the existence of a class action needs another party, and these parties are not very well known, but they are big organisations with deep pockets which specialise in funding class actions. They're like investors. In fact, they are investors. They invest in class actions. They're specialist legal investment firms. They're kind of up there with hedge funds or something. They just go, yeah, that one's got legs potentially, and they do their due diligence, and they say, well, on the balance of probability, we might be having a dirty big party at the end of this one, and we'll celebrate with a cake and everything. That that special cake that they like, when there's pats on the back all around, it's that Big cake on the stage with a stripper inside because they've done such a good job. So, existence of a class action is not evidence of guilt on the uh, on the part of the accused party here. Okay, what it's evidence of is a fairly humourless investor bean-counter type organisation, has done the due diligence and figured out on the basis of whatever their specialist knowledge of this area and other investigations that they've done, that on the balance of probability, at the end of this one, it could be stripper in a cake o'clock, right? So that's kind of where we are every time you read a press release or a news story that says a class action has been launched against blah. Generally, it means that a law firm specialising in class actions has managed to convince a specialist funder that the stripper in the cake could well be the result of this one on the balance of probability. Now, with that in mind, I want to talk to you about cars and fires because cars are a pyromaniacal paradise. They just are. They've got it all. They've got... Airflow flow and high temperatures and highly flammable fuel and plenty of flammable materials inside they've got high temperatures and they've got electricity all over so you know if you're satan and you want to restoke the fire under hitler or something because hey it's been getting a bit cool down there then just bring in a car dude that's all you need right because it's a miracle to me, talking to you just as an engineer, that every car doesn't catch fire three times a week. It's, it's a testament to the diligence and hard work of uh, a great many unsung people in R&D that that just doesn't happen. And also at the refilling station, right? There's so much systematic protection at petrol stations that everybody statistically, whoever attends one, has lost sight of just how fucking dangerous petrol is. It's a miracle. Like, if we take the divine intervention out of it, the fact that all cars don't burn on a regular basis is a proper modern world miracle, in my view. Now, this Hyundai Kia recall defect, okay, it's a potential defect, like all recalls. It's not every one of these cars guaranteed to catch fire at some point, it's a potential defect that they've identified. And the ABS unit, which is a box inside the engine bay, has this electronic control unit, and part of that electronic control unit, unsurprisingly, is a printed circuit board. And so the ABS ECU-PCB is susceptible, potentially, to the ingress of moisture, presumably from condensation or some other source. And if that happens, a short circuit might occur. And if that occurs, the car might catch fire. And if a car catches fire, it's a done deal, right? There's it's, there's no coming back from that. The car's almost certainly a write-off. Cars generally don't come back from catching fire. So this is a serious potential safety defect, right? And the official advice from Hyundai, which is, you can read for yourself, it's at vehiclerecalls.gov.au is, quote, Affected vehicles should be parked in an open space and away from flammable materials and structures, i.e. not in a garage. Some people I've corresponded with are outraged by that. They've told me not to park in my fucking garage. I'd suggest that parking a car in a garage is generally a bad idea, given that All the things I said earlier about everything that exists in cars relating to fire risk, it's just the complete Molotov package, is it not? So I've got a double garage where, sitting in it right now. My cars are parked out on an apron out the front. It's got an awning over the top, but it's in open air essentially. And I note that refueling takes place in an environment not unlike that either. It's never inside an enclosed building. So there's that. Irrespective, that seems like entirely prudent advice, and the mechanism of this particular recall is that they contact you. Hyundai contacts you because they know you're the owner. Pro tip. If you buy a used car privately, then you should go to the car maker's website and you should put in the VIN and tell them how to contact you in case a recall comes up down the track. Then they can know that you are the owner of VIN code blah and something happens, they'll look after you. You know, the recall comes up on a batch of vehicles of which yours is now one, then they know how to contact you, and it'll just happen in the background, right? All car makers have a portal online where you can do this. Or you can just go to the dealer. You just turn up at any dealer and say, "Register papers, here's the VIN code, can you put me down as the owner? And, you know, if they're half smart, they'll do it for you. So Hyundai contacts the owner, you go to the dealership, if you are the owner of such a car, problem goes away because they follow the recall procedure so that's how all recalls work commonly all right and i sort of think that because we're at the stage where this is just an allegation but there are so many media reports surrounding it and there's no real evidence that this particular abs defect or anything else is resulting in a spate of fires like i haven't seen any reports that indicate someone has actually been injured or killed as a result of this defect okay it may exist I may just not know of it but in any case I haven't seen a report of that and therefore they are at risk of having their reputation properly tarnished by perception as opposed to evidence all right so there's that and there is a spin campaign which is in full swing and This is from the law firm Morris Blackburn, in this case, that has launched this law firm. They've got a uh, a lead plaintiff and her name is Anne Marie Johnson. I've got nothing but respect for Ms Johnson, okay, because she took really effective action in a crisis and saved the day, basically. Like, she's at home and the car's in the garage, it catches fire and she smells the smoke And in a situation where many people would just cave in and watch the whole joint go up in flames, she whips out, gets the garden hose, suppresses the fire, takes effective action for a sufficient period of time to allow the fire brigade to arrive and put the fire out, thereby saving the house. So ladies and gentlemen, Anne-Marie Johnson, two thumbs up, 15 points out of a possible 10, hashtag Respect. Furthermore, I'd suggest that if this happened to you one day, put yourself in her position, dude. Like, this happens to you one day, you're sitting around and all of a sudden you smell smoke, you walk outside, houses on fire, potentially cars on fire, houses at risk. That would change you. It'd change your perception. I'd understand if you had particular views about the car maker or whatever flowing from that. That's not evidence of guilt either, though, I'd suggest. But your emotional reaction to being put in a situation of this nature would be completely understandable, and no one would have a crack at you for that. No one who had, you know, an ounce of empathy. Anyway, slightly less than what I've got in terms of empathy, but anyway. She says, Ms Johnson, it could have been a fatal disaster... Yeah, it could have if it had happened at night, for example. And as I understand it in Ms Johnson's premises, the bedroom was above the garage. So this is why smoke detectors are so vital. Uh, And it it could have been a a fatal disaster, as she alleges. But you know what? It wasn't. So she goes on and says, we were very lucky to have noticed smoke coming into the house from the garage. Yeah, absolutely. Lucky. Luck is a factor. Had we not caught it early, it's almost certain the whole house would have gone up. Yeah, that's true as well. And like I say, I've got nothing but respect for her. And I understand Ms Johnson's uh, emotional position following an incident such as that. And I think we would all probably go down that track. So I don't mind that. And I don't mind talking about this either, incidentally, because this is issued by Morris Blackburn, the law, the law firm, right? And a thousand lawyers have looked at this and made sure that every every letter on that page every word the construction the punctuation none of it is contempt of court andrew watson here he's the cheese of class actions for morris blackburn lawyers he's quoted as well he's presumably the conduit between the funding company and the actual litigation itself so he's a big deal in this action and i'd have to say i agree with him on some things and disagree on others and he says quote This is a serious defect impacting hundreds of thousands of vehicles with potentially catastrophic consequences for vehicle owners and bystanders. I go, yeah, it is. If it's the subject of a recall, it's all of those things. In fact, every one of the hundreds to thousands of recalls publicly listed on the government's website fits that definition. That's what recalls are, okay? Consumers expect, this is him again, consumers expect that vehicles they purchase will be safe to drive, safe to park in their garage and free from defects which could result in the loss of life. Now, I don't know if anyone's done the research on what consumers expect, but talking to you as an engineer, if a consumer expects that, then they are properly off the reservation and out of touch with reality for a few reasons. Number one is that every known mode of transport, like there's never been a benign one, everything from walking to riding a horse or getting on a ship to driving a car or even taking the fucking space shuttle into orbit or back has killed people, right? Transport is not Benign, And if you suggest that transport is safe, you're an idiot because there is an inherent level of risk in every known mode of transportation. So you might expect whatever you expect, okay, but if you expect a mode of transport to be safe, then your expectations are, at the kindest I can be, out of touch with reality if you expect it to be free from defects which could result in the loss of life then perhaps you should recalibrate your expectations simply by visiting vehiclerecalls.gov.au because there you will see documented evidence of thousands of instances across the whole vehicle domain with every brand where vehicles are not potentially free from defects which could result in the loss of life. That's just part of the car ownership deal. And if you're a consumer and you wanna be informed and you wanna live in a world where facts matter, then you should align your expectation to the reality. So we're gonna disagree, Andrew Watson and I, on the expectations of consumers. If you're rational, you can't expect those things. It's completely, Irrational to expect that, but I suppose many people do. So, strictly speaking, I guess I agree with him, but I've got a problem with the presumption of all of that, okay? He goes on and he says, Hyundai and Kia have failed to meet those expectations. To the extent that they actually exist, then, yeah, they probably have, and so is every other car maker that lists a recall on the recall's website. And he goes on and says, and must be held to account. For putting unsafe vehicles on the road and i'd suggest that car makers are held to account we have a vehicle recalls system in this country where That's the mechanism of holding car makers to account. What they do is they identify the recall, they list it, and then they deal with it for free at their own expense financially and in terms of the reputational hit that they take when dog shit dumb journalists contextualise recalls the wrong way because the media is so biased towards conflict and sensationalism and laziness. That's just how it works. It does sound flat out terrible that almost 200,000 Hyundai Kias, Kiyundes or Hiyas, right, could potentially burn to the ground at any moment. doesn't seem to be happening, though. In the case of Ms Johnson, there was a report on uh, nine.com.au, so the Nine network. I think they covered it in uh, Current Affair and Hyundai issued a statement about that and I'm doing this from memory, but hopefully it's reasonably accurate. They commissioned an independent investigator and he couldn't determine the cause of the fire. And furthermore, Ms. Johnson was compensated by her insurance company in respect of the loss that she suffered. And the insurance company, according to the statement from Hyundai, decided not to investigate the incident any further. And I'm sure if they thought it had legs, they probably would have investigated it. Like if they could have recovered the loss from some responsible party and there was a a chain that they foresee where they could join the dots, then they probably would have gone down that path because my experience of insurance companies is that if they can get out of paying, or if they can recover the cost of paying a claim from another party, then they do try really, really hard to do that. Anyway, that's just from memory, okay? So if you want to put this truly in perspective, my challenge to you is to run an experiment, right, to duplicate an experiment that I ran this morning, okay? So the, the cool thing about science and experiments is that the results need to be repeatable. So if you step off the sixth floor balcony, we can figure out how long you're going to be in flight and what the speed is going to be that you hit the terrain at the end of it. And it doesn't matter who runs the experiment, the results are always going to be the same, basically. So you can run this experiment just the same as I did. It's easy. All you need is an internet connection and access to Google, which frankly you have because you're watching this video now we're going to weigh up the relative fire risk status of the top six car manufacturers in Australia. And in addition to Hyundai and Kia, the other four brands rounding out the top six would be Toyota, Mazda, Mitsubishi, and Ford. Okay, and what I want you to do, if you want to run the experiment, just get to the homepage of Google and search for fire risk recall Toyota Australia, and then repeat it for the other three manufacturers, okay? We're going to limit ourselves if you want to save time and do it efficiently. Just look at page one, okay? Don't go cherry picking and searching for results on page 15 or something. Limit yourself to the page one search results of Google, and Google will serve them up to you based on relevance, and Google's AI is pretty good at that. If you do Toyota, right, what you find is that Toyota recalled almost 23,000 piss piss-creeky and wanking chariots, also called Land Cruiser 70 series, for a potential fire risk in May of 2020. So that's 23,000 units there. A year later, they recalled about 700 Hilux rogues, which frankly threatened to live up to their name, uh, literally burned to the ground following an engine bay wiring defect that could lead to a short circuit. So that's just shy of 24,000 fire risk recalls for Toyota on page one of Google. Moving to Mazda now, late in 2017, this is also just from page one, Mazda recalled about 20,000 BT50s for fire risk. Okay, and then in October of 2021, they recalled two and a half thousand Mazda 6 MPSs and RX8s that had a fuel pump which could crack and leak fuel and ultimately go completely Vesuvius while you remained inside if you were unfortunate enough to do so and your job was to go completely fucking Pompeii. Okay, I don't think that ever happened, but the recall happened because this was a potential safety defect like all other recalls. Mitsubishi now. In March of 2020, Mal, Mitsubishi Motors Australia Limited, recalled 102,000 Tritons, which had a potential wiring defect with the tow bar harness, which could lead to a fire in approximately the Triton's rectum, which let's not forget is right next to the fuel tank, and if you're towing your Chitois, just in front of your caravan, which would be in the direction of the prevailing airflow if it happens while you're en route. So... That could be fun halfway to Dingo Piss Creek, couldn't it? And then in April of 2021, Mal also recalled Tritons, which were fitted with some dodgy canopy, which I think they sold as a genuine accessory. And the defect there was another electrical wiring defect to do with the light in the canopy, which could short out or something and result in a fire. And I don't think that ever happened to anyone either. But disaster averted thanks to the recalls process. And finally, Ford, which is frankly, as we know, always channeling the ghost of Pinto. Yes. Ford recalled 43,000 foci for fire risk in May of 2020. That was a fuel leak for that one. And then they also recalled about 59,000 ranges that had the same fire risk problem as the BT-50s from Mazda, which we spoke about earlier. So In total, they're clones of one another, obviously. 79,000 total vehicles had that potential defect. And in May, a trivial, except if you were one of them, 700-ish foci and fiestas were recalled because the engine oil separator could go poopy in its trousers after a particularly potent vindaloo the night before. And as we all know, the consequence of that is, dude, it burns. It burns. In fact, I think you would be hard-pressed to find a major manufacturer that has not recalled hundreds to thousands and probably tens of thousands of vehicles due to potential fire risk over the past 5 years. All right, that's just my gut feeling. I haven't done that research, but you know, you never know though do you because i don't want to appear as if any of this is a speculation about hyundai's innocence or guilt that is yet to be proved and as i understand it this court hinges on the proof of some dereliction of uh, alleged dereliction on their part in relation to the acceptable quality consumer guarantee which is a piece of consumer law and the proof the, the, the thing that Morris Blackburn is going to be uh, trying to prove is that uh, Hyundai is engaged in alleged uh, misleading and deceptive conduct and I make no representation one way or the other about that because you know I don't want I don't want that to be the culmination of <laughs> this fine report apropos of what happens to me I want to inflict myself on you in coming days after all Morris Blackburn's class action cheese and his you know sort of covert funding, whatever agency that's backing this whole uh, this whole class action, they might have a smoking gun. who knows? They might have the knife encrusted with the fingerprints metaphorically, mightn't they drenched in the victim's blood or something and etched with Kihand's prints? Guy Fawkes' DNA might be found at Namyang, ultimately. And who knows? It's all on CCTV and it's been witnessed by 22 bishops, who would just happen to be there and were eyewitnesses on the spot. I just saw the spark going into the gunpowder keg and the rest was history. We don't know, though, do we? We're just going to have to wait and see what the court determines in respect of all of that. But hopefully, if you've stuck with me for this long, The next thing you hear will not be the sound of the cuffs going on. And I sincerely hope that you know just a little bit more now about exactly how recalls and class actions and things of that nature and actual risk fit into your car ownership experience uh, moving into the future.